We just come through the Christmas holiday season and I hear a lot of people, I'm glad it's over. Not, not me. I love it. The food, the smells, the, the lights, the tree, the whole thing. I love it. But the biggest thing is the birth of Christ. God came down to live on earth. And we get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the family meetings and running here and running there. And we forget the simple thing that we're to celebrate the birth of Christ. That's his human nature. In our gun store, we, we've got this form you fill out to buy a gun. I think originally it started as a page. And then it grew to two pages. And then the Fed said, we're going to make it simpler. And I'm like, that sounds great. So when it came out, it was three pages. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's just human nature. We complicate things. And, and we do that with our, our Christianity. We complicate it. You look at what the Jews did. Took one of the commandments, you know, honor the Sabbath. They broke it down into 39 different divisions of what was work. And then within that, they broke that down farther and farther. You know, how many steps you can take, what you can carry in your hand. If your false teeth fall out, can you put them back in? <laughs> well, I hope you would, you know. And, and stupid things like somebody's drowning. Can you save them? We, we clutter all this stuff up. We muddy the water. It's just simply about Jesus Christ. And your relationship with him. That's the main thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's Jesus. And I want you to look at a story with me in a little while about a man that almost missed what God had for him. But he, he, caught, he thought, it can't be that simple. It's got to be more to it than that. It's got to be more complicated than that. It's not. It's Jesus Christ. In your relationship with him. Are you growing in it? Is he real to you? That's what it's about. And I want to start out in Corinthians. Paul writes this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's verse 3. Paul leads into this with a little illustration about marriage. And like a, a bride coming. In her white gown, she's pure. She's clean. That's how Paul wants to present us to the Lord. Amen. Pure, sincere, and wholly clean. And Paul here writes in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds be, be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That's it. The simplicity that's in Christ. Some of your versions will say a um, sincere and pure devotion. Thinking about that bride, pure. That's how we our relationship, pure. Nothing else added, nothing else put on it. No complication, just a pure, simple relationship. The, um, there's so many stories in scriptures that I want to share with you. And this is one from the... From the Old Testament. Um, you're probably familiar with it. It's about naming the leper. And if you would, turn with me over to 2 Kings. We'll come back in the New Testament here at the end. But go over to 2 Kings chapter 5.
And I want you to keep in mind what we've covered about the simplicity of things and how sometimes our thoughts complicate stuff when it's not necessary. There's things that we need to do with following Christ. Yeah, you know, you need to come to church. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. It needs to be done regularly and frequently. Not just for your own good, but for the good of others who might get close to you. You know, you know, and um, but church attendance is not what it's about. Coming to Sunday school, not what it's about. Those good things. Yeah. Yeah. Having a Bible study. That's not what it's about. The Pharisees studied the Bible. They knew it better than most of us. They missed it. It's about Jesus Christ and your relationship with him. Amen. There's all kind of things we, in this Christian walk. We think, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you need to do this. Yeah, those are good things, but they should flow out of your relationship with Jesus. Now, this is a story here. You got Naaman, um, the king of Syria, which I think was Ben-Hadad II, uh, the king of Israel, who was um, Jothan, the um, son of wicked king Ahab. Him and Elisha, had, who's the prophet here, in this story, had a real strained relationship. Elisha had no problem telling Jothan how sorry he was. And they didn't have a good relationship because he was idolater. And, and Elisha one time went before the two kings, king of Israel, king of Judah. And he told the king of Israel, he said, if you weren't standing with the king of Judah, I wouldn't even acknowledge your presence. I mean, there weren't close buddies. And you're going to see that it causes a little problem here later. Now, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. So you see, Naaman is the general in charge of the army of Syria. He is a very powerful man. And you'll see here he's powerful Physically, it says he's a great warrior. He's powerful politically. He's number two in the kingdom, probably. He's powerful in his position, number two. And he's powerful because of the prestige. The Lord has used this pagan man in a pagan country. Daniel says that the Lord rules in the affairs of men to do as he wills. And here you see God using a pagan man in a pagan country to accomplish his purposes. He used Naaman. And the king of Syria held Naaman in very high regard. You'll see how high here in a little bit. It's unbelievable. It says he was also a mighty man of valor. It says, but. But. He was a leper. Now, leprosy back then had several different things. You know, we think of the, the kind where it goes all over their whole body and they rot all over. And there's different kinds. It could have been a skin disease or different things, different words for leprosy back then. And according from the story, the way Naaman's was, it was in a place, just a certain place. So it probably wasn't like a leper like we think. I'll eat up with it. But here's this powerful man, all this stuff. And this is, but he was a leper. And Syria and Israel were kind of at peace, but they're battling back and forth across the border just a little bit. And there's this little slave girl that got captured from Israel. And it says in verse 2, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. 
Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were the prophet who was in Samaria, that's Elisha, for he would heal him of his leprosy. You're going to see this as a little slave girl. She's out of her country. She's been took as a slave. She serves the wife of Naaman. And what this little girl speaks in the home goes all the way to the king of Syria. Don't ever think that the little things you say don't have importance. Kingdoms move sometimes. This kingdom moved by the words of a little slave girl. She said, if only my master was the prophet who's in Samaria, for he'd heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman, because the wife probably told him, and Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He's going to do more than that. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Let's stop right there for a minute. We just read that and it don't mean anything to you, does it? Today's prices, silver's vastly deflated. $267,000 worth of silver. $4.2 million worth of gold. Have you ever had a boss that thought that much of you? <laughs> That's how much the king of Syria thought of this man. And they had this huge entourage. You've got to think of all the horses. And it says they got mules. And you've got to have, it says he's got aides. Naaman had aides. This huge entourage. Banners and the horses and the mules. The caravan, the food. I don't know if they had wagons or what. It's a 250-mile trip from Damascus to Samaria. That's going to be about a month. The king thinks a lot of this man. He's a very powerful man. Very prestigious. And there's probably some pride in here. Because He's a greatly accomplished man. And here is the king has given him roughly $5 million almost to go get healed. Let's look at the story. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, but said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Well, the king's freaking out because he's just a king. And it happened when the king of Israel read this letter, they tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? The king's freaking out. And I remember I told you that him and Elisha had a, a, didn't have a good relationship at all. And, and the king's knowing that Elisha's a man, but what am I, I going to do? And it says he, he tore his robes. He's upset. Now, he's not really thinking. If you've got a friend that, say, owns a tire store and you need tires... You're going to go see him and, and get some tires. Now, you don't expect him to put the tires on your car, do you? But he's the man in charge. You expect him to get it took care of. That's what the king of Syria is doing. All he's doing. But this king's freaking. He's like, he's trying to pick a fight with me. We've got this peace treaty, and he's trying to make war with me. And he's not thinking, you know, I need to call for the man of God. And he, he doesn't do that. But Elisha hears about it, that he tore his robes. And he said, verse 8, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. 
Translation, he shall know that there's a prophet of God and God is in Israel. God can do something. Now, you see this big entourage. It says, then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Think about this. You've got soldiers. Naaman's got a chariot. You've got all these wagons. You've got $5 million. You've got all these aides, these banners flying, you know. Pretty impressive. A lot of pride right there. Naaman doesn't go down there in humility by himself. And the simplicity of Christ involves humility. Terry talked the other day about humility is a big part of faith. It's a big part. You have to humble yourself. You have to come to the point where he's God. I'm not. He's holy and righteous. I'm not. I'm a sinner and need a savior. He's a savior. You have to humble yourself and get to that point. And then out of that comes your obedience. And we're going to see what happens here because this is a pagan man. He doesn't know any of those things. Now he comes up in all his big entourage in front of Elisha's house. And you would think Elisha's waiting on him. Elisha's going to roll out the red carpet. He's going to have the place decorated. Nope. Doesn't happen. Y'all know the story? What does Elisha do? He sends out a messenger. Elisha doesn't even leave the house to go out and see him. That makes Naaman kind of upset right there. That's an insult to this powerful, prestigious man of honor. But that's got nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with it. His honor, his pride. Verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Simple. Simple little thing. Go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and you'll be clean. Naaman's upset. He says he's furious. He has come 250 miles. And this guy don't have the decency to come out and even see him. Just sends out a messenger and says, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Nathan is upset. You'll see it here. Verse 11. But Naaman become furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God. And wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He expect, it's got to be complicated. It's got to be harder than this. He's going to, have to come out and he's going to do this. He's going to ask me to do this hard stuff. You know, crawl around on my knees or do something. He's going to wave a magic wand. No, no. It's just the word of God comes to you. And you respond in humility and obedience. Naaman doesn't know that yet. So what you'll see here. Is Naaman gets mad and he says, and he, this is a good thing he says in a sense. He says, are not Abana and the far par rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? The Jordan is a muddy river. It's below sea level. These rivers in Syria are mountain fed streams like ours. You know, you can go out neck deep and still see your toes. You go off East Arkansas and you walk out shin deep and you can't see your toes. It's just moving mud. You know, and Naaman saying, aren't all my rivers at home better than that nasty Jordan River? But that's not the point. The point is, here's the word of God. Obedience to that word. Just simply do what the prophet said. And he leaves. 
he leaves. So he says, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in his rage. Now give credit to Naaman here. It says, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? If he made it complicated and hard, all these details, all this stuff, wouldn't you have done that? That's what you're expecting. We got our preconceived notions of how God's going to work. And we're normally wrong. He missed it too. You know, almost missed it here. How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean. Simple obedience. Just do what the word of God said. You know, we have the logos, the written word of God. God speaks through his written word. We have Rhema, the spoken word of God through his Holy Spirit. He said when he, Jesus leaves, he'll send us the Holy Spirit and he'll guide us into all truth. You hear the word of God, either from the written word or that word in your heart, in your mind. The, the Holy Spirit saying, do this. It's simple. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. The main thing is the main thing. Being obedient to that word. Now, now it's 20 miles from Samaria to the Jordan River. It's about a day trip. So he went down and dipped seven times, not six, not five. Could you imagine what he's thinking? He dips once in that muddy water and he thinks, I'm going to have to get a bath when I get out of here. You know? <laughs> and, and he looks and nothing's happened. Twice, three times nothing, four times nothing. He probably wants to get out and say, this is ridiculous. You know, but five, six, and seven. And when he comes up the seventh time, it says his flesh was restored as fresh as a young, young child's. Amen. God was faithful to his word. So you'll see a difference here. Now, over in verse back here in um, verse nine, you'll see it. Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. He didn't go in. He come in all his pride. There's your pride. But there's a difference now. Now look what happens here. And he returned to the man of God. And he and all his aides came and stood before Elisha. Didn't do that the first time. He expected Elisha to come out and stand before him. See, Naaman's been humbled. He has met the true and living God. And he says, indeed, now I know that there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, take a gift from your servant. Elisha says, no, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So this is an interesting part right here. In the Middle East back then, if you had a God in Syria, God in Israel, and God in Canaan, the thought was if you wanted to worship that God, you had to go to that place and worship that God on that soil. So Naaman has met the true and living God. And he knows he's got to go back home. But he now believes in this God because he's been healed. And you can tell he's not been just healed physically. He has been healed spiritually. So he says a strange thing here. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this, in this he's saying, I'm going to take two loads of dirt home with me and I'm going to put them down and I'm going to get on that dirt and I'm going to worship the true and living God. You know? And then he says another thing. He says, and please forgive me 
I am the right hand man of the king. And the king is going to go into this pagan temple. And I have to go with him. You know, that's my job. He's not just an aide and confidant. He's almost like a personal bodyguard to the king. And he's saying, I know that's wrong. Had anybody told him? No. When you come to God, you know what's right and wrong. You got the Holy Spirit. But he says, please forgive your servant. I've got to do this. And Elisha's response is go in peace. That's right. So you see, it's a simple thing. You hear the word of God. You humble yourself and you obey the, the Lord. You obey that yeah. word. It's that relationship that you and Jesus Christ have. Right. Now, look back over here where we started in Corinthians. I'll read that again. Second Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I fear that somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Don't forget how simple it is. Jesus isn't simple. This Christian thing is not easy, but it's a simple thing to follow him. It's humility and obedience to the word of God. Look over here when Paul starts this, starts this chapter, this book, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Flip over to your left a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul's talking about all the hard times that he'd been through and how he had come before the Corinthians. Verse 12, he says, For our boasting is this, that the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, Amen. not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Amen. Now, if the praise and worship team wants to come back up, I'm going to close with just a little story that I, I ran across when I was studying for this. It's the simplicity that's in Christ. It's you and him. Tom T. Hall back in the 70s wrote a song about me and Jesus got our own thing going. Some of y'all remember that? There's a lot of stuff that isn't quite right with that song. But there is something. You and Jesus better have something going. And it needs to be unique to you and him. Your relationship with him. You know him. He knows you. Simple, simple. Now, this story was that these people were having a dinner, big table, lots of guests, kind of a formal dinner, supper. And they decided when they got done that some of the people would get up and from memory recite things. And one of the people there was a famous actor and he got up and recited the 23rd Psalm. And he used all his oratory skills, all his drama, everything. And it was fabulous. And they applauded real loud. It was great. And there was another man at the table, kind of a quiet man. He got up and he started repeating the same song. And at first the guests were like, what's he doing? This other guy just said it and did a fabulous job. And then as he went on, they got totally silent. They were listening. And when he gets done, there's stunned silence at the table. And the actor leans across the table and says, I know the psalm, but you know the shepherd. Amen. That's the difference. That's the simplicity that is in Christ. Oh, go ahead. Elder.